somebody's television went off, but they did not respond. Somebody's telephone rung, but they did not respond because the death angel visited them. But God was so gracious and so kind to us. Gave us another day to give him praise and honor. Above all, he gave us the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. What a delight to have the Spirit of God in us. Then he names us, calls us his magnum opus. The word magnum opus literally means you are my greatest creation. I enjoy what I'm about to do in your life. Then he says that we are, guess what, the righteousness of Christ. Have you ever thought about your DNA and have you ever thought about your identity, your God's Christ's body, your holy, okay, you're without blemish in him, you're accepted in the beloved, he's boasting on you, what a mighty good God we serve. Just thank him for who he is. He didn't have to choose us. He didn't have to save us. He could have let us go to a devil's hell. But he decided he would love us when we were unlovable. He decided he would set us apart when we didn't even have a knowledge of who he, who he is. Take note, you can't worship and praise him except we receive a revelation of him. Aren't you glad this morning you're not in an occult? Aren't you glad this morning you're not serving a false god? And life is now sweet. And your joy is complete. Because you're saved. So glad I'm saved. So glad I'm saved. No doing of my own. Uh-uh. It's unmerited. It's unearned. And it's undeserved. So we, we praise this God who sits high. You know, coming uh, to the conference, uh, we were about 35,000 feet near. And it's amazing that when I looked at the window, I could not see one human being. 35,000 feet. And the natural eye cannot see one human being walking. Now watch this. God is higher than any 35,000 feet. He's past the galaxies. He's past the universe. Sitting on his throne. And when he looks down, he says, All of the nations are like a drop in a bucket to him. And yet he took time to save puny us while he's awesome, while he's great. And we shouldn't act like ingrates. We could be Hinduists today. We could be Muslims today. We could be on our way to a devil's hell. But he gave us eternal life and redeemed us. And so we thank him. And then he was so gracious and so kind because he put in the body of Christ gifts. And one of the largest that he put in is right in his eminence. Right in your bishop. Right in this anointed man of God. Pastor, a doctor, bishop. 
Mark Vaughn. We salute you, doctor. We salute you, bishop. And another gift is his precious, precious wife, Pastor Vaughn. We salute you. And then Pastor Vaughn, we salute you. And to his precious first lady, we honor and salute you. And then all of you, what a tremendous time this has been that this visionary have taken time to pull you together so that, guess what, you could hold on to your profession. That you are getting prepared for that great, great marriage that's coming one day where Christ will marry his church. What a delight. It's coming. And so we thank this visionary, this administrator, this spiritual man of God. And um, don't, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have to uh, deceive yourself. You're sacrificing. And it's wearing tea on the body. But it's beneficial. Because while the outer man may be fatigued, the inner man is getting strong. We endured, we enjoyed this morning, Pastor Bond, right? Redeeming the dream of the family. And uh, the Lord is so gracious and so kind to us. So, all right, let's, uh, let's begin to uh, talk about what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, the topic is redeeming the dream in the marketplace. And uh, we're going to, you don't mind if I said, um, we're going to be dealing with Genesis, all right, chapter uh, we'll deal in Genesis chapter 30, 37, some verses in there. But we really, and get you that Bible, please. We're really going to be dealing in Genesis chapter 39. All right, Genesis chapter 39. Um, and uh, we'll try to define um, the marketplace and all that kind of stuff, okay? And dreams, too. Uh, so let's just, uh, um, number one, uh, I'll show you where we want to go. Um, Go to Genesis 39. We'll stay there for a minute, and then we're going to go to Genesis 37. Um, but I want you to hear something that, that was striking to me. Um, just, just, just be before we, we get into this, um, let, let me just share something about Genesis as quintessential. Now, I do have some handouts. I don't have, I don't have a, a lot of handouts. Uh, but I do have some. So those who pay attention, those who are going to pay attention, you can raise your hand. And those who are going to rest, you can get it after. But you're not going to pay attention. You're really going to pay attention. I'm going to give you a handout quick. Okay. And thank you for your honesty. Thank you. I can understand. I used to do the same thing in college. <laughs> Sit in the back, let everybody else answer. <laughs> But make sure I was prepared to get the get, get the materials for the exams. Okay, all right. Here, here's what we're, we're going to do in talking about this particular topic, redeeming the dream in the marketplace. We, we're going to the, the subtitle is going to be moving from average to awesome. Okay. And I think that we can identify with the character in this particular uh, passage of Scripture, Joseph. Uh, the very name Joseph means to increase. So take note when the, uh, Jacob and Rachel named this child, 
They were literally declaring that you are going to increase. All right. Um, look at Genesis chapter number uh, 39, please. And, 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 and it, it is uh, just a passage of scripture that we're going to read. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of, of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him uh, down thither. And the Lord, this is key, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. It's interesting. How did a heathen recognize this guy was, guess what? Chosen by God and prosperous. And, 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 and one of the things that you need to know is that Potiphar served pseudo-Egyptian gods. He had no revelation of who the true and living God was. But yet, in the passage, it is a heathen that recognizes this guy is prosperous. Because Joseph moved from being average to awesome. Okay? And uh, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that he... and. And that the Lord made, now this is the part that, that, that is mind-boggling, that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Mind-boggling. All right, let's just look at uh, uh, some things from the book of Genesis uh, and then move right into where, where the Lord wants to take us. Uh, the first thing, the book of Genesis, <clears throat> the main theme of the book of Genesis is literally in the beginning God. It starts out in the beginning God. The Hebrew uses the word Bereshith. And Bereshith literally means in the beginning God. This, the 70 scholars who were 70 scholars who interpreted the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. They called it genesos. Genesos. And the word genesos literally means history. And then the Greeks call Genesis geneo, which means the beginning. No matter which way you look at it, it is saying something about God. And so the Hebrew language is very descriptive. And the first thing that the Hebrew language is trying to tell you when you open your Bible is that God is eternal. That before there was a beginning, that God was self-existing. He has always been. He will always be. He is, guess what, a continuous, continuous power that constantly exists, your God. So before there was an atheist, there was God. 
Before there was an agnostic, there was God. Before there was postmodernism, there was God. Then he's just not self-existing. He's self-sufficient. Do you realize that praise does nothing for God? You realize that? You, you, you think when you praise him, you move him? Well, what about the day you don't praise him? Praise does absolutely nothing for God. Praise does something for us. God is perpetually being praised within himself. Because God is self-existing. Everything that God needs is inside himself. He would not leave it to man to praise him. Because when there are difficult times, we'll forget. And there are times when we're rebellious, we just won't do it. So God says, I'll make holy angels who 24-7 will cry out from all corners of heaven, holy, 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 holy. And they never stop because he is self-existent. Everything that he needs originated in himself, the eternal one. He's not just self Existing, and he's not just self-sufficient, but he's self-determined. He and he alone created everything you can think of. He is a trinity, a God who's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the whole concept of God is sovereign election. I choose who I want for my own glory. And when I choose you, guess what? There's no way you can reject me. He's sovereign. He does as he wants, only as he wants, always as he wants. He's sovereign. And sovereignty literally means that, guess what? None can thwart his purposes. How do you frustrate the purposes of God? Impossible. None can impede his counsel. How do you stop God from counseling? Impossible. And none can resist his will. You can't reject God. And any time you think of things being eternal, it deals with immutable. He cannot change. So no one could escape God. All right? And no one could ignore God. You either accept him now or you face him later. But you will never be able to escape God. So Genesis teaches about this God who is self-existing, self-sufficient, and then self-determined. And sovereign election. And then when we look at this, we'll see God electing certain people. But the whole purpose of God sitting in eternity was clearly pointed out in the book of Genesis. And it deals with a promise of redemption and the accomplishment of redemption. So our theme here is redeeming the dream in the marketplace. And I want to tell you that God is a remarkable God because he, number one, contemplated redemption. I want to redeem that which I love. Now, how do I redeem that which I love without killing that which I love? I can make a way out of no way. I'll find a way to redeem my magnum opus, my greatest creation, and that's man. So here we, here we see... Um, in the book of Genesis, sovereign election. It starts with 
this kind of background. Let's look at Joseph. Number one, he's from a home of one father, but four different others. Is that dysfunctional at its best? Is that dysfunctional? Could you imagine being in a home with one father, but four different mothers? Wow, that's tough. He has one sister. Then he has 12 brothers, and there's a multiplicity of problems. They're dysfunctional. God is so amazing because he does not hide things from reality. He's trying to teach us something. I can take you from a dysfunctional family or an average family and take you from being average. And guess what? Make you awesome. Look, 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 look at it. His father has two wives. And each of the wives hate each other. Leah despises Rachel. And Rachel is upset with Leah because God locked her womb up. And so there are two wives bickering in front of the children. What kind of effect will that have on the family? Right? And then we have not just the two wives, but then we have a father who, number one, who, guess what, plays uh, favoritism. He loved Joseph more than all of his other children. Anytime you bring that kind of problem to the home, can God really take you from that kind of junk and make you awesome? Doesn't matter about your background. God's plan and purpose is for you to redeem the marketplace. And so now, here is a, 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 a serious problem. At 11 years old, Joseph is going through some severe crisis. His sister, Dinah, is raped at 11 years old. Joseph is 11 when his sister, Dinah, goes to Shechem. And they lived in Canaan. And she's molested. Young people, that's a, a story for you. You've got to be careful where you go. You've got to be careful who you associate with. All right? And uh, the prince of Shechem decided that he wanted her and he raped her. Eleven years old. This had an indelible effect upon Joseph. And all of a sudden, Joseph's siblings, the brothers... They decided, we're going to come up with a scheme. We're going to the head of the city of Shechem's father. And we're going to tell him, if all of the men of Shechem will circumcise themselves, the next day we will give this sister of ours to your son. And the king consented. And all of the men of Shechem were circumcised. And Joseph's two sons... Simeon and Levi killed every man in Shechem. What a disgrace. The disgrace is they used something sacred to revenge. 
circumcision was God's way of telling a Jewish individual, you're a pure Jew. And so here's Joseph now watching his sister molested in the head. And then his brothers commit this treacherous act. And it goes on. We're going some places. Stay with me. And then all of a sudden, he's 17. And at 17, his biological grandfather, who is Isaac, dies. He dies. Isaac dies. And shortly thereafter, his mother, Rachel, dies. I'm trying to paint a picture for you of the, ad, the adversities that you must face in life. But God is saying, no matter what you encounter in this life, I can redeem you so that you can, guess what, redeem the dream in the marketplace. No matter what you encounter in life. I can take you from being average and make you awesome. Doesn't matter your family background messed up. Doesn't matter if you come out of poverty. Doesn't matter if you're opulent. I can do it because there's nothing too hard for me. So here he's, he's dealing with it. On top of now the death, all right, there's incest in the family. Reuben, his older brother, sleeps with Dillard. All of this is going on. God's trying to paint a real picture. So when these things come into the church, we're not shocked. And in the back of our mind, we know how to embolden people that God can still take you out of that situation and make you what? Awesome. All right? And so here it is now. His siblings do not like him. And they do not like him because his father gave him a tunic. In your scripture, it says, a coat of many colors. But the Hebrews literally call it a tunic. And the word tunic in Hebrew means sleeves. It was a coat that was made for a princess. It was a coat that was made for the aristocrats. It was a coat that was made out of fine linen. And the sleeves were long, and the body of the coat went down from the shoulders to the ankles. But it represented that you are special. Insult to injury, it meant that, number one, you are my firstborn. Remember, Joseph was the 11th child. And yet Jacob is saying, you are taking Reuben's place. Now that's going to create sibling rivalry. Why will it create sibling rivalry? Because Jewish law said that the firstborn received a double portion of the father's possessions. So if you getting, if he's got, guess what, uh, $500,000, all right, a double portion, if you split it 11 ways, but a double portion goes to the older one. More so, the older child carried on the father's name. So he was rejecting Reuben and Simeon, all right, and Levi and Judah and saying, here is my firstborn. And it created havoc in the family. They hated Joseph because his father gave him a coat of many colors. You can do things in ignorance that's, that's, that's mind-boggling. Joseph loved, number one, 
Jacob loved Joseph more than the other brethren. The Bible points out because he was the son of his old age. And think about it. Think about it. Um, I raised a daughter, but when she has a daughter, my affinity now goes to who? This youngest child. Because you learn there's experience there now. All right? There's a, it's, secondly, it's not yours, so you can give it back anytime you want. Um, but there's an affinity you've learned from raising children. And so Jacob creates this havoc in his family. On top of all of that, God decides, I'm going to give divine election to Joseph. And so guess what God does? He gives Joseph a dream. Can we put up on the board now a dream? You can take that off for a minute. I want to share with you a dream. What, what, what is a dream? I think this is important if we're going to understand redeeming the dream. All right, but a dream is mentioned 60 times in the Old Testament. The word dream. The root of the word dream. Here you, okay, for you who don't have notes, you can look up there. The root of the word dream is the word kolam. Kolam. Now the word for dream is kalom. But kolam means I get, and everybody dreams. There's not a person in the world that does not dream. Everybody dreams. Everybody dreams. Now, what is the purpose of dreaming? Watch this. From a scriptural perspective, I allow you to dream because I want to bind firmly some things in your life. I allow you to dream because I want to make you plump. And the word plump means I want to give you full impact. I want to make you whole. I want to enlarge you. I want to make you fat, round. I want to give you complete support. So dreams, if you look at just the root of the word, is to make you to bind together firmly. You're not fickle. You're not dubious. You're not doubting. Dreams will bring you to a state of dumbness. I want you to dream. Cause the dream. I like this one. Be in good liking. I will want you to be in good liking. And finally, dreams are to get you to recover. Do you realize that? That as you sleep at night, God is saying, I'm trying to get you to recover. You have Stepped away from the dream. You have drifted from your responsibility. And I'll get you to dream at night to get you to recover the assignment. Now, Gilal is, is, is a cell in the brain that cleans up your dreams. It, 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 it feeds the brain your dreams. And it gives you clear thoughts. So take note why God wants you to dream. To have clear thoughts. And, and it's imperative that in your dreaming you rest properly. Get good rest. Because I'm trying to give you clear thoughts. You should not. You should not be confused. There's three million years of space in the brain. And all of this comes into the brain. Meaning thoughts and emotions. So when we sleep it helps to clear our dreams and dreams will lead you to vision. All right? All right. Ne ne next part, please. Dreams work backwards. They extract thoughts. 
and what is negative in your life through dreaming, God takes it and makes it positive. Okay? Now, here's the word kalom. It's a dream or dreamer. Now, dreams can be ordinary dreams with thoughts just come into the feelings and your ambitions and just come in to your mind at night while you sleep. Ordinary dreams. Then dreams could send a message. You have people who dream and their parents run to the room and say, what did you dream? I dreamt 542. And they go play a number. Some of them hit. Some of them literally hit. The devil will make it so he allow you to hit one time and then break you for the rest of your life. Dreams that just give messages. And then there's prophetic dreams. A prophetic dream is where God is giving you a revelation of his plan and purpose. And I need to tell you that at 17, from a dysfunctional family, from envy and jealousy and incest and rape, God gave Joseph a symbolic prophetic dream. I want to give you a revelation of who I am. I have a plan for you and a purpose. Can I share with you something about dreams? Dreams are never just for you. Dreams are to help others. I'm setting you up with this dream, Joseph, because I need you to save my people. You don't see where I'm, 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 you don't see where I'm taking you. And you just don't get a dream after a dream there's a process. Look at the the English word uh, uh, for dream. It originates from the old Anglo-Saxon word dream. And it means joy. So when you dream, look what God is saying. I'm trying to get you good liking. I'm trying to get you to recover. I'm trying to give you joy. I want you to be melodious. And it later came to be used to refer to a series of mental images and uh, emotions during sleep. Dreams can be ordinary. They can be messages or prophetic where God is giving you a revelation of his plan and purpose. Joseph had a symbolic dream. And it's a dream with enigmatic visual images that required an interpreter. And God allowed Joseph to interpret his own dream. Turn to the next, please. The Greek word for, 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 for uh, dreams is ona and apneon. It's a message or a gift. Get something that is seen while you're asleep. So while you're sleeping, God's trying to give you a gift. God's trying to get you something, a message while you're resting. Now, the important thing about a dream, a dream without faith is fantasy. After you dream it, faith has to come involved with it. If it is no faith involved in God, it's fantasy. So here's God now. I want you to dream but I need you to add faith to it. Let's look at uh, 37, Joseph. We'll, we'll come in somewhere. 
37. Go to 37. Genesis 37. And look at verse number 6. Or 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it uh, to his brothers, and they hated him the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. Now watch this. Here's why it's symbolic. Why it's this ignomatic visual images that have to be interpreted. Alright? For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf ro- arose and, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood around about and made obedient to my sheep. Isn't it interesting that his brethren understood the dream? They were able to interpret what he said. And look at their response. For his brethren said to him, Shall thou indeed reign over us? Or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for what? He was already hated for the tunic. But now the hatred increases because he is a dreamer. You cannot afford to allow anybody to cause you to abort your dream. I don't care who hates you for it. Faith has to come in. This is a message from God. This is a plan from God. God's trying to get me to do something. And I can't abort this. All right? And I want to tell you the challenges are just to be, just about to become. All right? Now, and so then he has another dream. Look at verse 9. And he dreams yet another dream. Here it is. Another symbolic dream. Okay? And what God tends to do whenever you add faith, uh, dream with faith is from God, then God will reveal his will and the faith is united and the dream is about to turn into a vision. And all of the pieces are not there yet. But watch, watch, watch. And he dreamed yet an, another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a, uh, a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obedient to me. And he told his father and to his brother, and his father rebuked him. Now, do you realize Jacob was a spiritual man, but he still rebuked his son Joseph for a dream he did not understand. And you still got to hold to it. All right? And all of a sudden now, his brothers hated him the more. After dreaming, God begins to put things in practice, a process. He doesn't take you, give you the dream, and then take you right to where he wants you to go. Because during the process, God's going to take you to different marketplaces so you can redeem the dream. You know the marketplaces. A marketplace is an assembly. It's found one time in the book of Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel twenty-seven sixteen market. And the marketplace was where they exchange merchandise. In the New Testament, the marketplace was where they met as an assembly to talk about important topics, to sell merchandise. The marketplace is any place God assigns you where he wants you to redeem men and women for his glory. 
marketplace. Look at, look at this guy's first marketplace. Because of his dream. Now, after a dream, what happens come vision. Every real leader first sees it here before it ever becomes a vision. And let me define what a vision is. A vision is what God wants to do in the life of people. I know they're heathens, but I'm sending you down there to redeem the dream. I know you're going to be sold into slavery, but even those who have taken you captive, I want you to redeem the dream in that marketplace. All right, so look, here goes a vision. A vision is when God breathes faith into the parts of the dream that reflects God's plan. Yeah, you're going to be in a position of authority. You're going to be over people. But do you know how to treat people that you're over? All right, a vision is the ability to see what God wants to do in a given situation. To see what God wants to do in and through a group of people. So right after you get a dream, you get what? A vision. Will you look at your handouts now so we can just look at vision for a minute? Uh, there's an anachronism. There's a, we broke this down for vision. Okay. You have it on the... Uh, In the sheets, could you put it up here? Are you with me? Any questions so far? All right. I need the other one. All right. You with me? Thanks, Randy. All right. Look at vision now. It's still up there. A statement of God will do. And V, you have to be vigilant. Watch the vision. You can't become oblivious to it. You can't forget it. You can't walk around and guess what? Neglect it. V, when God's giving you a dream and he's about to bring something, keep that in your mind. Keep it in your spirit. God's about to do some great things in my life. God's taken me to some places. And every place that God takes you will be a marketplace for you to get people to what? Redeem the dream. You're there to just redeem. We'll get to that in a minute. I is what? I'm causing you to go there and inspire people. The word, the word inspire literally means blow, blow the life of God into them. Folks need to know whatever profession you're in that God is in your life. You don't, you don't, you don't do it by carrying a big Bible that says Holy Bible. You don't do it by wearing white, all white. You wear your usher uniform to work. You'll be fired. To inspire is just to live with character. And your light is shining in the midst of darkness where folks say, there's something different about it. I don't know what it is, but there's just something different about him. There's something different about her. It's in your conversation. There's a meekness. There's a gentleness. There's a radiance on your face. And, and, and everybody's looking melancholy. And you sitting there just as bright. And then they said the whole department's closing. And you know God's got something better if he closed this place with me. You know, 
You ain't worrying about the pink slip. And everybody lose their job and you still sit there. And folks don't understand why. Because God is giving you favor. And he wants you to inspire places. He'll close an assignment. This marketplace, I close. But if he ever closed that assignment, he has a better one the next time. And then look, you have to be spiritual. Spiritual is not going to, to a job and speaking in tongues. Because the world won't understand us. And a psychiatrist may try to commit us. So that, that it's not the time. If you want to do that, go in the bathroom. Sneak out the room. They said that the, the late uh, uh, Charles Mason, not Charles Mason, um, the Mason who started the Church of God in Christ, said that he would, number one, anytime he was in a situation, he'd sneak into a bathroom and pray. Before he hadn't had any encounters. They sent him down to a courthouse. And he asked the judge for a religious preacher. Can I, I have one second to pray? And the judge granted it. And everything in the court was crying. Spiritual. Spiritual. God being revealed through you. Whenever a person's spiritual, it is seen in your character. Your character. Your inner qualities. That's what we 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 gotta be kind. You gotta be so kind that it shocks people. Like the boss who yelled at you. You walk in the next day with guess what? With a cup of coffee. Like the people who talked about you, and you bring a card in thinking about you. And folks say, "Is he crazy? I can't stand her." And I'm showing spirituality. By this shall all men know that you are my disciple. Not because you jump in church. Because you have love. One for another. And so the world can inspect the church. And the thing that should stand out is our love. Agape love. It's strange. And then insight. Vision is insight. Insight. It's being original. It's not copying somebody. I'm not trying to act like nobody. God, I want you just, God, to redeem my dream from the marketplace where you're sending me. Because my marketplace is going to be different than your marketplace. Alright? But I tell you one thing that will be prevalent. Our spirituality. You don't have to tell nobody nothing. You don't have to tell them you go to church. I never on the job tell them, guess what? I'm a preacher. Never. When they start dancing, I say, I don't dance. They drink. I don't drink. Wow. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. It's better to be seen than to be heard. Let them see it in you. Right? Let them see there's something different. And then a vision you never give up on. Now, after God gives you the dream and moves you through the vision, then God puts you through the process. Now, this is where most of us lose out in redeeming the dream on the market. You lose your job, so you go cussing out the whole company. Now, God knows 
God will forgive you, but the world won't understand you. God will forgive you. He'll, he'll redeem you. But the world will say, and she, you don't think you're saved? Do something wrong on your job. And here's the first word you heard here. And she go to church. And he saved. Because they're watching. They may never say nothing to you. But when somebody gets cancer, they run over and say, First Lady, will you pray, please? Just take it back to the churches. Uh, 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 Reverend Vaughn, please, please, just pray. Just, just pray, pray. My mother's sick. My father got cancer. They're watching. They're watching. They're watching. Here's the process. 30, 39. Here's the process now. He's went through a dream. Now, the interesting thing of the dream is you have to hold to God's word in the midst of the process. Because there are some things that will happen in the process that will shock you. Want to see what? One thing. I just told you that you probably missed. Joseph's mother died at 17. Yet the dream said, your mama and your daddy are going to be and your brothers are going to be an obedience to you. But at 17, she's dead. How will she be an obedient? Everybody in Egypt's going to be an obedience to him. Everybody. And the thing that you have to do in the process is hold to the promise. Hold to it. Now that, 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 that seems like a, a, a conundrum here, right? Because the mama's dead, right? The mama's dead. Where is Rachel? She's in glory, right? But everything in Egypt has to bow to him when God gets through, bringing him to his final marketplace. Everything will bow. The dead will even worship Everything will come under obedience. So don't, don't, don't be moved by things happening in the process. There's death there. Hold to the dream. Now the first thing is interesting. You will find out in the process that those closest to you will change. It was his siblings. He went out because his dad said, Go find out what they're doing. Do you realize he was an apprentice to Dan and Asa, all right, and, uh, and to Naphtali. He was an apprentice. They were training him to watch sheep. But being the son who had the tunic, he never had to care for sheep. It was a privilege he didn't have to work. And so when he went out with his coat of many colors and went to the place where they should have been working in Canaan, they went to Dothan. And like the obedient son that he was, he followed them to Dothan, and when he got there, guess what his brother said? Let's kill this dreamer. You can kill the dreamer, but you can't kill the dream. And so all of a sudden, his brothers wanted to kill him. Why? Because he was the object of his father's love and he had a dream. 
you have to be careful who you reveal your dream to. Because envies took place. And jealousy. Be careful. Everybody's not happy that God's blessing faith-to-face men face ministry. You can believe that if you want to. You're naive. Everybody's not happy because you got a promotion. Envy sets in. And especially if God's not in. You're an Arista student in high school. You'll be surprised of the haters that won't like you. And they could be Arista students too if they worked hard. Right? So during the process, God is trying to teach you something in the process. God, your character. Because you're going to see the characters of us come out and all of a sudden envy comes out. Envy is, 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 is horrible because envy is that there's something on the inside of me that wants what you have. And I want you to fail. And jealousy is uh, something that's exotic too. Because jealousy is happy that you don't succeed. I don't want you to succeed. I hope you get fired. And they came up with killing them. But you can't kill a man or woman when God has destiny for them and purpose. And so immediately God intervenes. And one of the brothers stand up and says, Hold it! It is interesting. Reuben, the firstborn, said, let's not kill him. Let's put him in a pit. So while you're going to a marketplace, the first thing you will have is challenges and opposition. And guess where you're going? In a pit. Now, here's what God is trying to say. Can you redeem the dream of the marketplace while you're in a pit? I want you to, watch it, I want you to deliver. That's what redeem means. I want you to avenge, to rescue, to buy back, to pull somebody out of the dream that I gave you, but you're in the pit. Because the dream is is not come to fruition. He's working on your character. Will you trust me in a pit that I'm taking you to the palace? You're in a pit. There's nobody there but you. So who's God working on? Pharaoh? Who is God working on? Your brothers? God's working on you. And all God is saying in the pit Hold to the dream. Be vigilant. Hold to it. Be original. Cry out to me in the pit. Let me show you yourself in the pit. Because I'm taking you somewhere. I'm taking you somewhere. And where I'm taking you, you must have character. See, his father heard him. Because Jacob's love for his son aborted him learning how to deal with those sheep. Baby, if you learn how to deal with animals, it's easy to deal with humans. 
Where did God take Moses when he wanted to uneducate him? Where did he take him? To the backside of a desert. Go deal with stink sheep. You know why he took him to deal with stink sheep? He knew how to deal with the aristocratic. He did not know how to deal with the poor. In Egypt, he was what? A prince. Next to be the pharaoh. You know how to deal with rich folk. Do you know how to deal with poverty? No, Lord. Okay, come on. Come on. Forty years, go deal with sheep. Forty years. I'm going to take everything out of you because none of this is earned, Joseph. You don't deserve this. You didn't earn this, Joseph. You're not getting this because you're the favorite child of your daddy. You're getting this because of grace. You ain't getting this because you had a tunic. It ain't your PhD. No. Remember the devil has one. No. It's not your education that got you here. It was the favor of God. There were many more smarter than you. Smarter than I. And God said, hey, I favor you. And they don't even know why they're promoting you. They didn't do that well on the interview. But, but there's something about them. Your anointings. Your character. And they can't get rid of you. Liquidate you. God has you in the process. Of going to, guess what, the palace. Now you gotta know how to treat folks. You have to know how to treat folks. See, the question is, while you're in the process, do I have the time? I'm alright with the time? Alright, let me know, okay? Uh, while you're in the process, can now your character, guess what, can your character remain where your gift didn't get you? You think it's your gift. And God is saying it's your character. Because man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Can I trust you to be the school president? Uh Can I trust you to be the college queen? Can I trust you to be the CEO of the agency? And you make sure benefits come in here um, equally for everybody. You're in the marketplace. I'm sending you on that assignment because heathens need to be redeemed. I'm sending you on that assignment because they have been wrapped up in idolatry and don't know who the true and living God is. Do you realize that Jesus will never again step foot on this earth in the physical until the rapture comes? So who is taking Jesus' place? You. And I. While you're in the pit, he's trying to mold us into the character of Christ. And then all of a sudden, in the process of the pit, he does something miraculous. They take the coat, cut it up, get a goat, put the goat's blood on it, take it back to the father, and the sons broke the heart of their fathers because they missed something important here, uh, saints. That was their marketplace. Instead of redeeming.
father. They broke their father's heart. Got to be careful. That children, you don't break your parents' heart. And parents, you don't break your children's heart. And that was their marketplace. Just to serve effectively and make sure their family was healed from the dysfunction. You know, it's very interesting that we all come out of dysfunctional families. It's interesting that uh, when we went to the family reunion, that they announced all the people who were doing well. Oh, doctor. Oh, three lawyers. But they didn't bring in the side that were drinking. And that is important in a family union, family reunion, because I need to be able to reach my alcoholic uncle. Now you shunning him away. Here, here. He, God intervenes and God sends some Ishmaelites along and God sends him now to the University of Egypt. I'm taking you from the pit. I'm going to graduate you to Egypt. Now watch this. You have to be careful in Egypt because most people abort the dream of redeeming the marketplace because they get caught up in the syndrome of goodness. Can, can I define what the syndrome of goodness is? It is when you settle for less because it looks like it's good. Okay. The syndrome for goodness. It is, I'm taking you, before we get to this now, watch. You're going to have to wrestle with God. But here's the syndrome of goodness. I took you out of the pit. So most of us get out of the pit. So then he takes us where? To Egypt. And Egypt is a sign of trouble. Sign of affliction. And then we say, I'm settling right in Egypt. And all of a sudden, God blessed Joseph. So Pharaoh said, hey. Uh, a Potiphar said, hey, this guy, there's something about him. I'm putting him over my whole household. Now, that's a good position, Saint. That's a good position. That's authority. Do you realize what, what Potiphar did? Potiphar was the king Pharaoh's executioner. He was the head bodyguard for Pharaoh. Potiphar. And he was in a key position. And he took Joseph and said, you are over everything in this house except what I eat. Read the scriptures, right in the text. I ain't making this up. You are over my money. You are over what I dress. You are over what's in my house. You are over what's in the field. Everything I place you over. And guess what? Except my bread. And you can get caught up in this syndrome of good in the process where you don't settle for less. Don't do it. It looks like it's good, but you're settling for less. Why become over Potiphar's house when I could be over all of Egypt? See, you see how you don't, uh, don't let the dream go. You're go they're going to bow down to you. You're going to be a prince. Don't drift, don't neglect the dream, don't doubt the dream. And then all of a sudden, while he's in Potiphar's house, and things are going well, Potiphar would watch Joseph. I'm telling you, the enemy is watching. 
And the way he knew Joseph, that God was with him, the Bible said everything that Joseph touched in the house and in the field, God blessed it. And this guy said, this ain't the Egyptian God raw. This is not some idol God. This guy's God is blessing everything his hand touches. So I'm out of the pit. I moved to, guess what? Where? I moved to Potiphar's house, but I could get caught up in the syndrome for good. From there, God says, you're still not ready. I have to take you to graduate school, and now you're going to prison. You're going to prison when you did right because you rejected Potiphar's wife. You're going to prison because you obeyed me. Because God is testing them. In the midst of me locking you up, will your character remain the same? Here's what happens in prison for him. One of the things that Joseph realizes in prison, God is with me. I don't understand why I'm here. I've been unfairly treated. I rejected adultery. And God is with me in this. But I'm locked up. He was in graduate school for character. Right? He was in graduate school to help the butler. If I don't send you to prison, an innocent man is going to die. So I gotta send you to prison. <laughs> so you can redeem him and let him go back to his marketplace and he's gonna tell Pharaoh who you are. It ain't about you, Joseph. Say, hey, 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 get the point, get the point, get the point, get the point. It ain't about the process. It's about redeeming the marketplace. See, you're in prison. Can you serve me while you're in prison? You know, come on, let's be real here. You know, if God sent you to prison, they said you took $2 million and you didn't take it, you'd be asking God, why? Why have you allowed this? I walk upright. I pay my tithes. I praise you. And not understanding, I need you to redeem. See, here at the marketplace, it's any place where God assemble you. See, now it's in prison. Because this butler's going to die, man. The baker deserves he's going to get his. But this guy's innocent. And let him know those three branches that he saw. In three days, Pharaoh is going to let him out of prison. And you still got to stay here two more years. And everything you touch, you're going to grow. Can you grow in your prison experience? Can you grow when you've been unfairly treated? When you've been misunderstood? Can you grow in that? Can you grow? Can you grow when you did right by God and it seems like folks won't do right by you? Can, you? can you grow through that? I'm building you. I'm building you. And then God does something miraculous. He gives Pharaoh a dream that can't be interpreted but by nobody else but the guy who's in prison. Go search all of the Egyptian dreamers. 
they won't be able to interpret it because I'm setting this guy up. His graduate school's finished now. Now he's coming to the marketplace. Watch this. And the dream is seven years there's going to be famine so severe that's going to kill all in Egypt. Can I help you? You know why God was really concerned about the famine there? His people were there. I'm allow you to say to save the whole Egypt, but I made Abraham a promise four hundred years ago that I'm going to give him this land, and his people are there in Egypt now, and I can't let them starve. And seven years of plentiness, and when he interprets Pharaoh's dream, you the man. Guess what? Here we go now. Here we go. The dream you had at 17. Now, I'm making you prime. Now, you over Potiphar, if you ever settle for the syndrome of good, you are going to get less than what God wants to give you. You settle. All right? You just want to be a supervisor. God said, be the CEO. You want to be a teacher, God said, uh-uh, be the, be the administrator. Run the joint. Run it. Run it. Run it. You want to be a pastor, be a bishop. He that desires to be a bishop does a good work. You're not being a bishop for yourself. You're working for others. And now he is in the marketplace. Watch this. The assembly, the gathering, Okay. He is in the place where he can affect the whole of Egypt. Redeem him. And the word redeem is an interesting word. It's ago. And it really means get revenge and avenge and snatch them out of sin for my glory. In, in, in the New Testament, the word is, I want you to be a kinsman redeemer. Act like you're their older brother and, and get them out of sin. Save them from their transgression. Make them come to, come to know the God of the universe, the God of the Bible. That's why I had you go through this dysfunctional family. That's why I allowed you to have rape go through so you could be sensitized when you're on the throne and somebody come to you with some problem. You won't turn your nose down on them. Joseph! Are you here? Maybe you're in prison. Maybe you're in a pit. Maybe you're in Egypt. Maybe you're in Potiphar's house. God said, I have so much more for you. I'm getting you to the marketplace. I'm going to bring you, and i got to close. I'm going to bring you before kings and princesses. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take you before intellectual men and women. And listen, everybody here is smart. First, you already have your GED. You got God's eternal right for deliverance. Got your GED. Got your GED. And you, got your, you have your BA. You're born again. 
And you got your masters. You have the master of astrology. And you have your PhD. You have a pure heart divine. And you need to give God some glory. Because those positions, watch this. Almost 600 million people in America. And those individuals who get a high school diploma fall into the top 20% of the intelligent people in America. You go get a BA, you fall into the 15%. Go get a master's, you fall into the 10%. And go get a PhD, you fall into 5% of the most smartest people in America. And God is saying, I'm going to take you from a dysfunctional home setting. I'm going to take you from prison in a pit and place you before kings and queens and educators and the aristocrats and rulers for you to redeem the dream in the marketplace. While you're sitting in business meetings, if you're a lawyer, you're supposed to be seeing what God wants to do to an unjust society who imprison some because of color and others get away because of, guess what? They have money and they can buy good lawyers. What can I do? If you're a doctor, when people come in with sickness that's way above your understanding, this is a case for God. If you're a correctional officer telling inmates, I know a man who can transform your life forever. If you're a teacher, don't you believe in the theory of evolution? In the beginning, God created. Whatever profession you're in, that's your marketplace. Will you will you the plan of God by snatching people out of sin? Introducing them to a God of love. And no matter what they experience in their past, God wants to give them a special assignment to turn their marketplace around. I want to stop. I got two minutes for questions. And if there are none, may God bless you. May praises be so loud in this place. Because he's getting ready to promote you to a great marketplace. And all he wants you to do is to talk about faith to faith. You've got to come to this church, to loving church. Oh, the word is preached. Oh, you've got to hear this, the praise singers. Oh, you've got to hear the pastor preach. Oh, you've got to come in here and see how we worship God. Oh, it is a place that everybody is loved and everybody is somebody. Boast on this ministry. And I already shared with the pastor and I already shared with the bishop, this place is too small to hold the people that God's about to send in. No, 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 don't have no seats. When they get here, I'm a, I'm a church mother and I've been sitting in this seat for four years. Get out! Come on, honey. Take my seat. You think some young son in the church going to let you stand when you gave up your seat? See, we can't be about seats. 
We can't be about possessions. I got to redeem the dream and the marketplace. God is making a fuss over people. And I mean this. You got to understand God. God is a love of people. Even love sinners. Even want them redeemed. Want them help. Want inmates to come out and no more recidivism. Wants the prostitute off the street. So she could come in here and give a wonderful testimony. I was abused by my own father. Couldn't find love in my mother. But I came to this ministry. And God redeemed me. Washed me up. Now I'm going back to the corner to get my sister. Let the drug dealer come in. I used to sell drugs. I didn't have an education. I thought there was no hope for me. But I found Jesus. Now he's cleansed me up. And I'm going back down on the market street. And I'm going to get somebody and bring him to Jesus. Put a smile on your face. Be happy. Thank God for just considering us that he wants to use us. Thank God for the accomplishments that he allowed us to make. But none of that impress him. The only thing impress him is, guess what? Our character. Obedience. Trying to please him. Being so different. That folks will have to recognize the anointings of God in you. Something about you. Young, young, young woman, you can be different. I promise you, men, men will never forget a woman who carries herself with respect. Never. 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 You know the difference between somebody you ain't never bringing home to mama and somebody you'll bring home to mama. Be so different. Be so different. Young men, be so different. Don't, don't wear your hat backwards. No, 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 no. Don't be a follower. Be a leader. God is asking us today, are you ready to dream? Huh? Are you ready to have joy? You ready to recover? Are you ready, guess what, to have good liking? Do you want me to firmly fit you back together? Dream and please dream big. Please. Please. If you got five praise leaders, why not dream for 20? If you got a choir of 50, why not dream for a choir of 100? If you have a keyboard player, why not dream for a band? Dream. Because all the glory and all the honor belongs to him. I'm a jealous God. I'm not sharing my glory with nobody. He loves you here at Corning. He loves you. Loves you in Buffalo. Loves you in Brooklyn. Come on, let's go after people. Let's get into the marketplace. Let's redeem people. Let's become kinsmen redeemer. Let's exemplify Jesus. Let's look unto him. I'm serious. It's, it's not easy. But I want to be like him. What about you? 
serious. That's, that's my goal. My goal is, Lord, I want to be like you. Mm. I want to be impressed with accomplishments. Mm. We bow your heads. You brought us here. To build our character. You brought us here. To show us what's on the inside of us. You brought us here to save this perverse nation. You brought us here to retrospect on how dysfunctional we were and how dysfunctional our families were. And you took us to a process rejection and jealousy. You took us to a process part of his house. Temptations. You took us to a process of prison and now to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now to be gifts of the body of Christ. Help us to bring redemption to every marketplace in this country and every marketplace outside this country. Thank you for the ministry in Africa, our homeland. Thank you for this leader whose heart is so large that he knows that you're ecumenical. And have taken the gospel to Africa. And Father, every need that he has, I pray God that will endow finances, good health, large dreams, visions that will bring men and women of all ethnicities to this house where you'll be glorified. Thank you for the pastor. Thank you for Pastor Vaughn and his wife. Thank you for First Lady Vaughn in this house. And all the leaders that stand by their side, we heard you. You told us to redeem our families. We heard you. You told us, God, to redeem the marketplace. And Father,